0: Welcome back to Thoughts of a Woodsman's Preacher with Pastor Josh Lucci. Thanks for tuning in. So I just got done writing a research paper on a narcissistic personality disorder. Whew, it was a big one, um, and I learned a lot from it. Um, God taught me a lot about what narcissism looks like, and uh, I wanted to share with you guys some of the things that is are concerning me, some of the things that God has put on my heart around narcissism. Um, in families and churches and our relationship with God and things of that nature. So buckle up, here we go. Some of you know that um, once upon a time I was a whitewater raft guide as well as a fishing guide, but I spent quite a few years uh, training for it and then taking youth of all ages from elementary age, uh, clear up through teenagers and senior adults, Um, And I would take them down the river. And um, one of the things that I would do from time to time is contract out to local colleges who were doing hydrology classes. Um, And part of these classes that they were doing was also a whitewater guide class. So um, one of my uh, partners in crime, one of my co-workers that I trained with for several years, he and I contracted with um, a local community college and were asked to help instruct for a field day. So we were to take... A group of about 25 uh, brand new green whitewater rafters down the river and teach them some of the ins and outs and to do this we needed to do it at high water time so um, the the cfs the the water that was flowing through the river was much higher than uh, normal that we would normally take clients down and things like that and so it was big it was juicy it was fun Um, And particularly dangerous in a lot of stretches. And I remember um, we were guiding, uh, we were the the back boat, so we were guiding with all the equipment that would help people get unstuck if their rafts got stuck up against a rock or a branch. And uh, we went through one of the rapids on the um, northern river that we were um, on over here in Oregon, close to Eugene, called the North Santiam River. Some of this river is non-navigable so that you cannot go through it, but we were running a stretch in between those non-navigable stretches um, that had some good Class 2 and Class 3 whitewater. One of them in particular was a hole that the raft would slide up and over a rock and then plummet down into this hole, and you needed to take enough momentum to carry your raft full of rafters through. So the guide's responsibility is to call out the correct commands at just the right time to push the raft through. So they're using the momentum of the paddlers to get them through this because it was a very sticky hole. The idea though being that there's a suction that was created by this pour over of the rock. So the first two rafts made it over just fine. No problem. Popped right out of the hole. We were watching them and so I was having one of the, the newer guides call out the commands and he uh, just didn't call it out quite at the right time. It was a little late on the command. And so we came through this rapid at the wrong time in the wrong place. And you know what? We got stuck. Uh, we got stuck big time. Our raft got stuck behind this rock. We were circling around and around. The water that was pouring over the rock would pour into the boat as we circled back and forth and around and around in this hole. And um, it, we kept getting knocked off of our, our positions into the bottom of the raft. So we would get pinned by the pressure of the water, the white water pouring over this rock to the bottom of the raft. And so I was yelling at the rafters, and the the guy that was in training was completely froze up, the poor guy. And we were trying to get ourselves unpinned. And each time the raft would circle around and get filled with water from this pour over, we would get pinned. And it just seemed so fruitless. We kept going over and over again until we were really thoroughly exhausted. I lost count as to how many times we spun in the bottom of this hole, and each time that the, we would back up into this rock and get poured over, it felt like the raft was going to flip. And in this particular spot, you didn't want to flip. There was some major class three rapids that were below this area that you did not want a body float through. You wanted to be in a boat so that you could bounce off of the rocks and not get pinned on things that you should not get pinned on. And I can remember looking around at the faces um, of the folks that were in this raft, and I was trying to formulate some sort of plan as I was getting knocked off and pinned by this frigid water as to how to get these people out alive from the cycle that we were in over and over and over again just we'd get knocked off and pulled back under and just having just enough breath to catch our breath and get back on before the next cycle would start well eventually we were able to pry ourselves out work as a team and get out We had a a few folks that were suffering from hypothermia and shock, and so we dealt with them. But all in all, it was a very successful experience. But it reminded me of the cycle that we sometimes experience uh, within our own lives, within the church, within our relationships, marriages, um, relationships with friends and family around narcissism. Okay. Let's define narcissism really quick. Um, you know, there's a, a Greek story. Um, one of the poets named Ovid came up with this particular term. And to spare you all the details, essentially in this story, a young man was cursed to fall in love, but never to be able to achieve the thing that he loved, to, to have the thing that he loved. And so as revenge, um, he was cursed to love himself. So he saw his reflection in this clear pool, reached out to embrace his own image, fell in and drowned. That's the root, you know, the root story of the word narcissism. But, you know, as it applies to us, this idea of self-love and grandiosity, um, doing things that were so me and self-centered, self-focused, it seems um, just like something we would want to avoid. And yet it's something that creeps back into our lives over and over again. Uh, I feel like a lot of the um, lighter theology that is taught in the churches, uh, the theology that is in a lot of the popular Christian music right now, is very, very me-focused, very self-centered. If you were, and I would challenge you to listen to any of the, the Christian music stations that you listen to, whether it be online or on the radio, and count how many times the word I is said, or me, or us, or we, this idea of being self-focused. And then count up how many times there is reference to God or Jesus. In fact, in a lot of these songs, there are no references directly to God or Jesus. That is the, kind of the secret in this. But I feel like you're going to be very surprised at what you find, right? So the theology that we, we speak from the pulpit in sermons, it's very important. And I feel like we can all universally agree that we need to be very careful how it's filtered to the audience, Um, what it's taught. You know, we have elder boards, we have deacon boards, we have leaders in the church that keep a close eye on what is taught so that it's not just one particular person's interpretation of it, but it's an agreed upon sort of thing. We have this accountability from the pulpit. But what we are lacking right now is some accountability in other areas, right? In areas like our marriage, okay? How many times are decisions made or Um, ideas thought up or arguments had within the marriage that have a me focus. How is it going to affect me? You know, I had one person tell me a long time ago that the really the big key to a successful marriage is to think of the other person and rely on the other person to think of you, right? This flies in the face of the self-advocacy culture that we have right now in the world. You know, we're taught to um, you know, provide for ourselves to self-advocate, to have good self-esteem, to um, really focus on me, have quote-unquote me time, right? The phrase "I'm going to do me for a while." Um, you know, all oh, so narcissistically focused. Um, you know, you look at the Christian songs that we sing. It's just as important, if not more so, that this theology is accurate, that is not narcissistic, that it's theologically deep and theologically rich. There's nothing wrong with Christian music that's played on the radio station, but we need to be really careful what's preached from the pulpit in musical form. Uh, Music is so meditative. Music is something that comes back into our head over and over and over again throughout the day. And in that, there's so much power in it. There's power in great sermons and great teaching, but there's so much power in the idea of a song that it's meditative and it comes back to you. And it's something that comes back to you in the most difficult of times. So as we uh, talk about narcissism, I really would like for you to to, to challenge yourself um, to what are you putting in your body. Look at um, the things that you are observing and bringing in, whether it's sermons, whether it's songs, whether it's uh, people in your life. Are they helping you to avoid narcissism, or are they adding to it? Right, narcissistic music. Does that help you be others focused and God focused, or are you really singing songs about how? relationships affect you how trials affect you how are you feeling today right the sermons that you're listening to are they God focused are you learning about God or are you learning about how to succeed in the situations that you come through today the you the I the me the narcissism Um, you know I'm seeing it more and more often with the youth and youth by nature um, are narcissistic I was narcissistic um, as you grow up, that is just something that happens, and um, you know, ha- through good parenting and through good church and good community, you start to realize the importance of seeing outside of yourself and seeking. Um, the benefit of all and to, to really seek God in your decisions and in your day-to-day. Um, but consider what you're putting into your body. Look at it like a diet, okay? This is what I encourage you to do. Look at it like a diet. We don't always eat vegetables. It would be great if we did, right? If we were training for some sort of race, that would be great. Um, but on a day-to-day basis, you eat some sweets, right? You, you find your Dutch bros, right? Your sweet coffee, um, you eat um, some good meat and potatoes, the things that keep you going. You have a little bit of dessert. There's a little bit of sweet. You have some things that you probably shouldn't have. And then you add in some of the, you know, the spinach and the things that you really need to, uh, to grow as a core to improve yourself. Look at your intake, whether it's friends, family, worship music, praise music on the day-to-day radio, Sermons, things of that nature, and and even in your day to day communications within your marriage and your relationships, look at it like a diet. See what you're putting into yourself and then be curious about see what's coming out. A youth pastor once told me, Garbage in, garbage out. Okay, if you're struggling with attitude, if you're struggling with what's coming out of your bucket, like we talked about in our last sermon, um, really examine what you're putting in because if you're getting garbage out, chances are. You're putting too much garbage in, and it's time to balance your diet. All right, thanks for hanging out with me today, and I look forward to talking to you guys again soon. All right, God bless.